The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. All right. Hey, good morning. Good to see all of you. Thank you for the great music. Amen. How about, how about just, amen. Thank you. Wonderful. So, so blessed today. Thank you very much. Uh, just appreciate you being here and thank you. Uh, for the opportunity to share the morning with you. Kathleen and I are blessed and, and grateful. Almost a year ago, I uh, finished up my service to the Baptist General Convention of Texas as the executive director, and I retired from that role at the end of December. And so a year ago at this time, I was trying to decide what to do with my library. I had all these books, and what I do with all of these books... So I ended up giving them to the Southern Bible Institute. It's a predominantly African-American uh, small Christian school over in South Dallas. And they were happy to have them. I gave them to them with one uh, caveat that anytime I needed to come look for a book, I could use the uh, library, and they were happy to do that. Well, as I was going through all of my books, I came across uh, an old book I hadn't seen in a long time. It was a book by a lady named uh, Lori Lutz. And the book is about um, an African-American lady named Elias Davis George. So here's how she is described in this little book about her. She's described as a poor, little, colored girl who grew up in segregated Texas and made the mistake of believing that the whole world needed to hear about Jesus. So with that as her heart, she had no support, no help from anybody, basically was rejected by the American Christian establishment because of who she was and what she was, but she decided on her own anyway, without any support from anyone, to go to Africa, and she did. But there, through the power of God, barrier after barrier fell away, obstacles were removed, and she began to tell the story of Jesus. And literally thousands of people came to faith in Christ because of her mission. She later ended up graduating from Golden Gate Seminary. She became a highly uh, esteemed educator in Liberia. And uh, her, her, her story, her name is known in Africa Mother Elias Davis George is what they call her. Uh, I was looking at the title of that book, and the title was Born to Lose, Bound to Win. And I got to thinking about the word bound. Is there a word in our English language that can have as stark a contrast in meanings as the word bound. Just think about it. What does it mean to be bound? It means to be, to be you're controlled, you're, you're tied up, you're constrained, you're constricted, you're, you're, you're bound up. That's what it means. Or what does it mean to be bound? It means to be, you're headed somewhere. You've got direction, you've got determination, you've got purpose. So I, I think the issue for all of us is, Spiritually speaking, am I bound or am I bound? 
I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes this morning using I just, what I think is one of the more intriguing, fascinating stories of the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible, turn to the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Take your Bible, open it with me. Numbers chapter 13, and I'm going to read, starting in verse 30, I'll read down through verse 33, and you just follow along, but you'll know this story uh, probably if you've been in church much. If not, we'll kind of talk our way through it a little bit this morning, but the, God, uh, the, the book of Numbers chapter 13, I'm going to start at verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We cannot attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that come from, uh, come from Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. So you know that story. Uh, just a quick background. The Israelites had been struggling in the wilderness for 40 years. They're finally on the brink of the promised land, which is also a promised life. There they are on the side of the Jordan across from the promised land. And Moses sends, uh, Joshua sends scouts, one from each tribe, 12 of them. Go in, explore this land, come back and give a report. So they do. They go, they explore it all, they come back and said two things. Well, yes, the land is everything that we were told it was. It is a land of milk and honey, yes. And it's even more. It comes complete with large armies and fortified cities. And so the report was from 10 of them, we can't do it. We cannot cross this river. We cannot conquer those people, but there were two. A minority report, Joshua and Caleb, we say, yes, we can, and yes, we should. Well, the uh, majority ruled, and they went nowhere, and so they struggled and stumbled for 40 years. What kept them on this side of the Jordan? What kept them from crossing that river, conquering those people, and experiencing the life that God had for them to experience. What kept them back? Well, I would say to you, the same thing that kept them back holds us back. Now, I'm going to go through a couple of those this morning. So the first thing I would propose to you is fear. They were afraid. Now, if you were to fast forward 45 years or so, and go into the book of Joshua, in chapter 14 of Joshua, There you'll find that um, Caleb is talking back to Joshua again and is recounting this story. And as Caleb recounts the story back to Joshua, he says, You will remember, we all 12 went over 
our brothers came back with a report that you and I disagreed with. But when he says our brothers came back with a report, he said the report that they gave to our tribes, that report of the majority, in the way it's worded in Joshua, it says they caused the people's hearts to melt with fear, caused them to lose heart. So I would propose to you that fear keeps us back. It keeps us bound rather than allows us to be bound. Now, um, everybody's afraid of something. We don't like to talk about it much, but all of us are afraid of something. Some on a major scale, some on a small scale. If you get up on that major scale, all kinds of phobias are out there. I don't know how many different kinds of phobias have been identified, many. Uh, It's reminding me of um, a television show. Some of you are old enough to remember it. Others of you uh, can Google it. Um, But from 2002 to 2009, there was a television show called Monk. It starred... uh, Tony Shalhoub, and he played uh, the character Adrian Monk. Adrian Monk was a um, uh, former San, uh, San Francisco Police Department homicide detective, and he suffered severely from uh, what they call OCD, obsessive uh, compulsive disorder. And so, basically, if you went back and you and you watch any of it, you'll find that. Monk was afraid of everything, uh, from germs to snakes to heights to he was afraid of everything. And it, and it held him back. It's what had him as a former homicide detective. Anyway, if, if fear kept him back. Fear keeps us back. And here's the way it is in modern 2023 America. Those of us who believe in and follow after Jesus Christ. What keeps us from standing up and speaking out and representing well the causes of Christ that we believe in? I would propose that for most of us, it's a fear of those out there who don't know the Jesus we know, who haven't been transformed like we've been transformed, what holds us back from standing up and speaking out most of the time is fear of what they might think, of what they might say, and of what they might do. And that nowadays is rising higher in our level of concern than our fear of what God might say or what God might think if we don't stand up and if we don't speak out. It's kind of the way we are in 2023. And fear has so many of us controlled and constrained and constricted. We're bound. We're not bound with the gospel, driven with purpose and direction, doing with the gospel what we could and should be doing. So we're not too different than the folks of Numbers 13. What kept them back? On this side of the Jordan, from experiencing the promised land and the promised life, it was fear. And it was, I don't know what your word word to use. I'm going to use the word perception. It's the way they perceived themselves. So we read through these verses. They get to that part where, yeah, we'd gone over. We had explored the land. Uh, We had 
spied it out. And I tell you, they came back and said, we just felt like grasshoppers. We felt small. We felt weak. And if we felt that way, they must have thought of us as that way. They perceived themselves to be small and weak. But you got to come back to the question, were they? Was that reality? So I know the little phrase, you know, perception is reality. Were they really small? Were they really weak? So, I, you know, they were a sizable group of folks. You know, they were a couple of million of them by now, right? And within that, that couple of million group of folks, they had a sizable fighting force. We got that? And they had a God who had delivered them out of 400 years of bondage and had provided for them along the way and along the way and along the way with miracle after miracle. So here are these people, a a sizable group, a an army that was something to speak of and an almighty God behind them. And yet with all of that, they perceived themselves to be grasshoppers. We feel small. We feel weak. And that's how those folks out there must think of us. What bound them up? What kept them back? I Same like perception, the way they perceive themselves. I'll never forget the first church I had a chance of being the pastor of. Back in 19-something, it was a while back. I'll just leave it right there. Uh, so, small church. Um, we were young, and you know, I, I tell people I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't I didn't know anything. I didn't even suspect anything. Uh, so, early on, though, in that small little town, 380 people, Small church, but oh, wonderful people. But we, we started hearing a phrase in the church. And I, I can't remember if I've told you this, uh, this phrase. That the, you know, I'm, I'm at the age now, I can remember my stories. I just can't remember to whom I've told them. So bear with me if I've, if I've told you this story before. So I started hearing a phrase. I'm at 24 years old. But in the church, they, they kept saying, when we would do something, they would, they would say, well... That's good enough for this church. You hear what I'm saying? In numbers-wise, we were a smaller congregation. But it, it, it burdened my spirit that, that we perceived ourselves to be small and weak and incapable of doing things bigger and better. I'm simply saying that kind of mentality can creep into any church. And First Baptist Richardson, I, I beg with you and I plead with you, do not let a, a, a perception that's inaccurate of who you are and what you are creep into the ministry and the mission of what God's calling you to be and what God's calling you to do and where God may be leading you to go. Perception of, of held the Israelites back, and it can do the same for us. Individually, 
We perceive ourselves to be small. We perceive our, ourselves to be weak. We perceive that we are, we, we think, well, I just, I, I can't say anything. I don't know what to say. I couldn't say anything. We, we just, we perceive that we're incapable. We perceive that we are just uh, too small and too weak and we'll leave it up to somebody else. And that same kind of perception can creep into a church. And I'm just begging this church and any church I would have an opportunity to speak to. Don't let a perception of, an inaccurate perception of who you are and what you are. Because, see, we still have the same God that they had with us. We've sung about it all morning long. We still have that same God. All power all wisdom, all knowledge, ever-present, that same God who still delivers, who still creates, who still enables, who still heals, who, who still does everything he's always done. That same God is still here, still with us. Just don't let perception hold us back. Don't let fear hold us back. What's the bottom line, though? They were bound up by their fear. They were bound up by how they perceived themselves, small, weak. But if you really, what, read through the story, what's the bottom line? What was it really that kept them back? May I propose to you that it was disobedience. Bottom line, it was disobedience. So you, you come back to this question. When, when they were sent, those spies, those 12 when they were sent across the Jordan to inspect the land, what was their responsibility? Were, was their responsibility, was it their decision to make whether they should go across this river and attack these cities and conquer this land? Was that their decision? Or were they just not, instead, um, surveyors, inspectors, information gatherers? I propose that the decision to cross the river and to conquer the land, that was not their decision to make. That decision had already been made. That was God's decision. He had led them thus far. That was his decision to make. Their decision was, here's the information we need on how to go about doing this. We know we're going to cross. We know we're going to conquer. Our decision is kind of where do we cross? What do we do? How do we, how do we go about doing this? But they held back. I think it was just disobedience. The decision to cross the river had already been made. That was God's decision. And they held back from it. Same thing happens to us. Disobedience holds us back. I grew up uh, singing an old hymn in the church. Uh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Some of you can sing that song right along with me. Uh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So, I think maybe what's holding a lot of us back is trust and obedience. What's keeping us from, from being what God wants us to be, what keeps us from saying the things God wants us to say, what keeps us from uh, going to places God may want us to go, what holds us back is disobedience, a lack of trust and a lack of obedience. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been around a lot of believers, and I've experienced this in my own personal life. The, the unhappiest places I've ever been personally are when I'm in a place of disobedience. So anyone who is a believer in and a follower of Jesus Christ, anyone who claims Jesus as Lord and Savior, any of us, 
when we are living in a place of disobedience, we will never be happy. We will never find ourselves at peace. We will never find ourselves at ease. The Holy Spirit will not let us be in that place. And the unhappiest people I know today are believers, followers of Jesus Christ who are living lives of disobedience. So, and it it, it holds us back. It binds us up. It keeps us from being and going and doing disobedience. I... uh, Fear, perception, disobedience. You could talk about other things. They, they, they were so dissatisfied with, with so much of what was happening. And that just affected their spirit. They were careless with things that they did. A whole series of issues that were holding them back. But bottom line, it was pure and simple, I think, disobedience. You ever heard the name William Carey? William Carey was, he's known as the father of the modern missionary movement. He was born in England in 1761. He went to India in 1793. And just the father of the modern missionary, first Baptist missionary ever. And he goes to India, Calcutta, India, 1793. So what I'm thinking about now is what, what does a promised land mentality look like? What does a promised land mentality sound like? If we are going to be released from our fear, if we are going to overcome our inaccurate perception of being small and weak, if we're going to live lives of obedience, then what does a promised land mentality look like? I think maybe William Carey summed it up pretty well in a sermon he preached, in a statement he made. It, was, it went like this. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. That seems to me like a promised land mentality. I I, I came across this story. It was years ago. It was a shoe salesman. He'd gone to uh, just remote South America. He gets over there, and and he, he just finds a way to get a message back to the people who had sent him. And he said, bring me home. Nobody here wears shoes. They bring him home. They sent somebody else. He wires back and says, send more shoes. Everybody over here needs them. That, that's, that's the kind of promised land mentality I think we need. We need. This must be uh, David Hardage growing up old hymn Sunday. Because I remember another old hymn we used to sing when I was growing up. Now, I'm not going to sing it, but some of you will remember it. And it's, I think it kind of demonstrates the promised land mentality I'm, I'm asking for us to capture. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I am bound for the promised land. I am bound for the promised land. Then the question is, oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. I am asking you, First Baptist Church Richardson, are you bound for the promised land? Or will you remain bound up, controlled, and constrained by fear, by perception, by disobedience? Or will you not instead be bound for the promised land and go and be and do all that God has in store for you to go and be and do? Let today be a game changer. Let's, let's take off all those things that have tied us up and kept us back. And, and can we not... This December, 
capture a promised land mentality or who will come and go with me. I am bound for the promised land. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this place. And I thank you for your word. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that today, individually, I pray that today, collectively, we would would put aside those things that keep us back. We can't do it on our own, but with the power of your Holy Spirit, release us from all of that bondage that we have experienced, the fear, the perception of being small and weak and incapable. Father, forgive us of all of our disobedience, but today we ask that you would help us to live lives of obedience and that individually and collectively as a church, we move forward making a difference for the sake of the gospel. Today, tomorrow, this month, we pray these things, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.